0: Hey, everybody. I'm Dan Bro, along with my co-host, Matt Bruner, and welcome to the Real Estate Heroes podcast, the stories and lessons from real estate wholesalers, investors, and professionals who are changing lives and making an impact so that we can help you become the real estate hero. And just a quick reminder, this is an exclusive live event for our students only, and they have the opportunity to ask questions and get... Answers to their biggest questions. So, if you want to be one of those lucky few, head over to actiondanbro.com and schedule a call or sign up. Today, we have an awesome guest, Michael Zuber. Uh, you probably know him as the one rental at a time guy. Uh, he is the author of One Rental at a Time and also just had a new uh, second book launch uh, 15 Conversations with Real Estate Millionaires. Um, this guy is packed full of knowledge. He's just constantly giving out awesome content. Uh, Michael, super grateful to have you
1: on. Thank you, man. This is uh, this is gonna be a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to this. Awesome.
0: Um, so, I always like to start. You know, for for people that don't know who you are, the, that very small percentage of people, um, can you just give a little background on yourself? What you know, how you got started, what you're doing now?
1: Yeah. So my real estate journey starts right around my 30th birthday. Before I was 30, I was uh, living the rat race and I didn't know I was. Uh, My story might be similar to some out there in that I was started, you know, thinking I was going to create my wealth in the stock market. Uh, I successfully turned seven grand into 191,000 bucks, which not a bad deal. Unfortunately, the market went against me. I got uh, a little lazy. I stopped doing the work. Uh, I thought I had the Midas touch and would always be right. So that 191 turns into 40 grand. Uh, and you feel, you, you feel kind of lousy, right? Losing $150,000, which is more money than you know I'd ever seen at that point. So I remember walking through a bookstore. And yes, I am two decades older uh, than both of you. And uh, it was actually a physical bookstore. And I found this purple book. And it's, of course, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And as I credit, in one rental at a time, it changed my life. But as you guys probably know, one rich or rich dad, poor dad doesn't tell you how, right? It gives you a little mindset shift. For me, it was a kick in the pants that I'd been wasting money. I'd been living in somebody else's dream, this rat race, moving the cheese and all that stuff. So I said, okay, you know, we're going to go that way. And, you know, we started looking at real estate, didn't work where I live. So we found a market about two and a half hours away, Fresno, California, and we haven't left. Uh, that journey, um, was quite, quite the run, right? My journey starts in 2002. Uh, of course, by 2006, seven, we have the greatest crash ever. So I'm an investor at that time and stuff happens. Then there's this huge crash in 2010 was, you know, a very active year. And then the, you know, I've been doing this a long time up and down, up and down. And I retired at 45. So 15 years in the making, um, you know, so February 1st of 2018 was the year I left. And now I've just been given back, trying to, you know, originally with one rental at a time, just tried to try to show that full-time employees can do it. And now with 15 conversations with real estate millionaires, it's lots of ways to do it, right? Real estate is awesome because you can have real estate heroes, wholesaling, flipping, syndication, uh, mobile home parks, uh, you know, it's just lots of different ways. So the first book was my story after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. The second book is 15 other people's stories. Uh, so again, trying to trying to trying to find a way to just get people to know that yes, they can do it. So that's what I'm trying yeah, to do.
0: I love it. So, what's your favorite way to invest?
1: Well, again, you got to. I can only answer that. Um, so let's let's be clear, right? 15 years buy and hold. I bought out of the MLS. I didn't know any better. I had a buy box. Um, you know, I had 1031 from houses to apartments. That was really cool. Really profitable. Um, Since leaving, I have flipped. I did burrs back in 2010. I have not done short-term and I've never syndicated. Uh, So it's just just us, right? Um, I'm kind of partial, at least today, to residential properties because I think we're staring at the 1970s. And if you don't know, 1970 to 79, interest rates went up. I think that's a fair guess that interest rates go up uh, this decade because they're remarkably low today. Wages go up right? 1970 to 79 saw wages go up 87%. But oh, by the way, if you're a real estate investor, real estate doubled from 1970 to 79 and rent went up 117%. So if you're a residential landlord in in 1970, you love 1979 because your property's doubled, cash flow explodes, and you're sitting at the low rate uh, of interest rates. So I think we're going to repeat the 70s. So I'm going to buy as much residential real estate as I can.
0: Very cool. So, you're talking one single family homes or including small multis? What it's, do you it's,
1: like? It's really the lending, right? So, residential for most people is four units and below. If you're just starting out, I think the most, I think most people should house hack, right? If you're in your 20s, you should go buy a fourplex, live in it, live for free. Uh, plenty of people that, that getting on the property ladder is so important. And if you could do it in a fourplex with a three and a half or 5% down your life, your life will be fundamentally different. Your largest expense is housing. Mm -hmm. If you get paid to live where you live, let me just tell you, life gets really good, really fast. So most people should house hack 21, 22, 23, 24, frankly, and this is going to be a shocker. Most 35 or 40 year olds, most of you should sell your house Take the gain, which is going to be tax free, either 250 or 500 grand. And yes, you should go buy a fourplex with a 5% down and be more liquid than you have ever been. So I think most people, uh, frankly, most people should house hack a fourplex today.
0: Love it.
2: Love that. So with your new book, it sounds like you're interviewing 15 millionaires, right? Like what were some of the common things that were shared throughout those 15 interviews?
1: Yeah. So all of them struggled. It it is amazing. No matter where you come, if you're a single mom with five kids, you're a high school dropout, um, you're an engineer, uh, everybody struggles. Real estate is not naturally easy for anyone. However, it is a skill. Uh, and because it's a skill, it can be learned, right? You join a group like yours and you, you, you do the same things and, 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 and you learn, right? I call it a golf swing. You just practice till you get better. So first off, everybody struggles. It's slower for everyone. The second thing that really shocked me, and I only saw this because I wrote it a chapter at a time, right? I didn't look at the entire book until the 15 were done. Um, it's just how my process works, is how many of them started one area and then ultimately started to hold rentals because if you want to build wealth like wealth not income wealth you have to do it via holding assets what you will quickly realize is the longer you hold properties that cash flow and have inflation especially if we have inflation the next decade which is hot um, the only way to beat inflation is to own assets that go up that's what people that's that is what's going to crush people in the next 3 to 4 years is if you don't have assets inflation is going to eat you alive it's just going to suck. If you're living in the bottom or even the middle class and you don't have assets, you are in trouble. So the only way to win is to let inflation be your friend. So inflation for me, yes, my gas is more expensive. Yes, my food is more expensive. Yes, my uh, medical is more expensive. But you know what? I got a bunch of assets that are going up at the same rate or more. Eh, So I'll be okay.
0: Love that. So is that, is that what one of the things that you learned from talking with these people or that's just, you, you gleaned that off and.
1: Well, I mean, obviously it's part of my story. I knew it, but I didn't know how many other people were great. Like there's people in there doing 50 flips uh, a year. There's other people wholesaling 50 deals a year. How many of them eventually realized, Oh my God, I better hold a couple of these right and because you get tax write offs you get depreciation you can do t- you can do 1031 you can borrow it's just owning assets is where wealth comes from otherwise you just have a job it may be a high paying job but it is a job nonetheless so i was shocked i think it's it's definitely more than half of them end up owning rentals at some point wow
0: was that surprising to you or was that Yeah it much was expected?
1: I, I i know when i put this when i put this storyboard together i put stories right Single moms, wholesalers, flippers, you know, just different. I wanted people that joint venture. I wanted everybody that wasn't me, right? I was married with a daughter. We weren't single trying to do this. I never joint ventured. So I got a joint venture, right? I, I never wholesaled or flipped while I worked full time. Others did. I didn't invest out of state. Others did. So I tried to find 15 stories that weren't me. And put those in the book. And then I was just shocked as I was going, oh my God, there's another one. And there's another one. And there's another one. So it's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, that's, I, I mean, that's the amazing thing about the ease of information sharing that we have now is you can learn so much from other people and then share it with others too. Mm-hmm. So if you were to pick, you know, a few of those other top things. So we have the the wealthiest people get their, by holding on to assets mm-hmm. and not just, not just churning and burning. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the other things that stood out to you?
1: The other thing is they all focused and got good at one thing. I believe too many real estate investors come in and treat it like a buffet. Oh, I want a little of that, little of that, little of that, little of that. And that is a way to get nowhere fast with real estate investing. Mm-hmm. You, all of them declared what they were going to be. If you're going to wholesale, then wholesale. If you're going to flip, flip. Uh, If you're going to buy and hold, buy and hold, right? If you're going to burr, burr. If you're going to go out of state, out of state. Don't go, I think today I'll do this. And tomorrow I'll do that. You'll just never get anywhere. That was also something very, very common.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Curious, what what were some of the biggest mistakes that (laughs) they talked about?
1: Yeah, one guy, chapter 13 comes to mind. Um, so he's an engineering by trade. He's an engineer by training. So he's very analytical, I think is a fair thing to say. Um, he got into real estate um, about 25 years ago, 23 years ago. And his first foray into real estate was a disaster. He bought a cheap property because it was cheap. He, he put a tenant in the first one that showed up didn't run credit didn't do any of these things. That first experience was so horrible and they didn't lose a lot of money. I think they lost five or seven grand, but the experience was so distasteful. He left real estate for a decade. It cost him a decade, not being prepared, not being educated, not not doing the work, just thinking you're smarter than, than the system, right? That's, I mean, damn, that hurts, right? Losing a decade in real estate when time in the market is more important than timing the market. That's a, that's
2: a, that's a gotcha. Jeez.
0: Um, so I, I, have to go back to this because, you know, obviously you feel so strongly about it. You're, you're the one rental at a time guy. You're talking about building wealth through holding assets. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's, let's say someone is they're a flipper or Mm -hmm. they're a wholesaler or they're, they're doing something else other than holding properties. And, you know, we talk about this other thing where a lot of people make the mistake of doing too many things at once Mm. and they don't really get good at one thing. So if someone has that goal of building long-term wealth, but they're not buying and holding yet, Mm. what would you recommend? Like, how would they make that transition?
1: Yeah. So first and foremost, again, going back to different stories in the book, do your thing until you get to a point where you have excess cash. Right? Don't be in a rush. If you're a wholesaler, there's nothing wrong with being a wholesaler. I know plenty of wholesalers that make a lot of money. Keep doing it. But at some point, all of them will say, basically, I have more capital. I'm, my lead flow is okay, and they start to say, you know, I should hold one, right? Because what usually happens to wholesalers, they'll go back and look at a property they wholesaled three years ago, and it's doubled in value, right? That's like that's a pretty big aha moment. Um, So what I would tell a new wholesaler is don't worry about it, just wholesale, probably for years, just wholesale. But at some point, you're going to run across the deal, it may be your 17th, it may be your 70th, And you're going, you're just going to go, you know what, my bank accounts. Okay, Uh, I'm going to try to hold this one because it's just it just what it just seemed to naturally happen to the people that I I spoke with. So I wouldn't be in a rush. Building wealth sounds great. uh, But you know, be, do your thing probably a little longer than, than you think would be my answer.
0: Uh, Awesome. So, you know, giving someone advice on getting into holding assets, let's, Mm -hmm. let's talk residential because commercial is a totally different beast. Mm -hmm. Um, so what mistakes do you see people making when they start buying rentals, start to Mm -hmm. build a portfolio?
1: Well, the first and foremost is they buy cheap because it's cheap. Mm. And I have seen plenty of people go bankrupt or broke buying cheap. There's, there's a reason why that house is 40 K. And you know what, this is, this is a story I hear so often. It's a California investor. I live in California. So maybe I hear this more often than not. They go, Oh my God, Michael, I found this 40 K house in Ohio. It's been listed for three years. And I think I'm the first one to see it. It's gotta be a deal. Yeah. You have no idea how arrogant that is, right? If it's been listed for three years at 40K, don't buy it. If it's been listed at 40K for three months, don't buy it, right? Every local investor has kicked that rock a dozen times. It's not a deal. Don't think you've got some secret web browser that finds the deal that no one else sees. The arrogancy I hear of new investors sometimes is, um, it's almost comical if it wasn't sad. Just understand that there are hundreds of local Ohio investors that said no to that deal before you saw it from California. That's the first thing. Second thing is too many people don't want to put in the work, right? I was a full-time employee. I was raising a family. My job took me around the world. I could literally be in three continents in a week, right? Europe, Australia, South America, not uncommon. I was busy. And I still find time to look at my market every day. I looked at one buy box, guys, for almost three full years. Fresno's the market I invest in. It's a million people. My buy box was probably 5,000 homes. And at any one time, there was only 50 or 60 listed. I didn't have time to learn Fresno. Trust me, Mayfair is different than the Tower. Tower is different than Fig Garden. Fig Garden is different than Clovis. I couldn't do it. So appreciate it. Most new investors would do themselves a huge favor by getting more focused, not less.
2: So you mentioned a buy box. Like what is your buy box? Like what is a criteria you look for? So
1: I will give you my buy box from 2002. It's very different today, but I have 20 years experience. My buy box in 2002 was 93703, one zip code. Single family homes only. So no duplexes, no no condos, no townhomes, no land, no mobile homes, nothing. Three and four bedrooms. So no twos and no fives two baths. I wanted two baths and I wanted a two car attached garage. And then, because that was still too much for me to look at, I added uh, 1,250 to 1,750 square feet. That was the exact criteria I used for almost three years. And that gave me between 20 and 40 active listings at any, all my deals were out of the MLS. I did no marketing, no texting, no, none of this, no that. It was just realtor.com or like app back in the day.
0: Wow. So, how has that changed over time? You were you were previously uh, sort of very specific on what you were looking for, all looking on the MLS. Mm-hmm. How it has your criteria and how you find deals changed?
1: So it evolved, right? I was MLS based until I retired. Let's be very clear. So, 15 years it was it was MLS or LoopNet. I mean, because I did buy apartments, right? LoopNet yeah. was a thing, but still online. Everything I bought was available to everyone on the planet. That's what I want. It was no off-market deals, nothing off-market until after I leave. Um, So again, people need to realize that, yeah, you can grow a portfolio and retire on MLS deals. I did it. It's proof. It's hard. Like 2020 was impossible, but most years aren't 2020. Um, So I started the Mayfair. I then expanded the tower. It then spanned to the fig garden. I'm probably covering most of Fresno by year six or seven, right? I probably have seven or eight buy boxes. But again, I treated that one buy box. That was it for three years. You just gain experience and you, you, you grow. Um, then I go. I do start selling my houses or exchanging houses to apartments, but same zip codes, right? Because only, you only know so much. Um, so that was the same thing. Then I retire. Then I realize that I have more time than I've ever had before. So we start flipping. Uh, then we start doing mailers and I start working with wholesalers. I open an office. Um, so it's certainly changed since then, but uh, I retired with very, very focused buy boxes and MLS-based deals. So something I wanted to dive in on is, like you said,
2: those were available to everyone. Like, what do you think stopped other people from taking action on those deals?
1: Oh, man. So you got to remember, I've been doing this a long time. So um, so let us I'll break it into kind of two chunks. 2002 to the peak, actually, maybe three chunks. So, 2002 to the peak, lending. I mean, lending was like, it was like getting candy. It was so easy, right? It was crazy times. But a lot of people were, um, they were buying a lot of newer homes. So, I was buying kind of the older fixers, right? Um, so, it was just look, I, I'm always trying, I always try to figure out where the herd is going and I go a different direction, right? It's just, it's just who I am naturally. So I was buying older stuff, they wanted to buy newer stuff. That was the first kind of bubble. Then the crash happens, right? I, I'm not in houses at that point, I'm in apartments. So yes, my net worth goes down, but who cares? My cash flow goes up because rent went up in the crash. But by 2010, that was the best time ever to get deals, but no banks were lending. Banks turned off, right? Banks were for REOs and foreclosures were everywhere. Banks weren't lending to investors. So we were doing uh, private money birds and and um, I was literally finding gold bars and diamonds in the MLS. Big, bold letters, any price taken. Just, it was crazy times. People just believed that, I don't know what people thought. I, I bought a house for 28 grand on a huge city lot that had a house. And now I'm adding an ADU in one of the best parts of town and, and nobody was buying it. And for 28,000 bucks, the lot was worth 50 grand and it, and it had a house. I think people thought it was going to, I, I don't know what people were thinking. It was on the MLS. I, I guess people thought it was going to go to twenty. I guess I, I don't know, but we were buying the whole way down because we 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 couldn't pick a bottom and we didn't know when it would when it would happen. So I don't know. People were afraid. I guess.
0: Wow. So let's say you're you're teaching somebody. You're you're talking to someone who's trying to get into investing in residential properties. How do you go about choosing your buy box?
1: That's a good question. Because what so that's a great actually a great question. It's a subtlety, but I'll, I'll get to it. So the first thing you have to know is I believe real estate investing is a skill. I believe I said that earlier. So the first thing I want you to do is learn the skill. Because I get a lot of people say, hey, I live in San Diego, but I want to invest in Florida or Ohio or Michigan. What I tell them generally speaking is, okay, great. We're going to learn the skill of real estate investing in San Diego. And they're like, Michael, no, I'm not going to invest here. I'm like, relax. We're going to learn the skill in San Diego because part of the first 60 or 90 days is I want you to go look. I want you to drive, right? I want you to see it, touch it, walk through open homes, see fixer, see new ones. See- I want you to, to get it because what I want you to do is learn the average deal in San Diego. And you do that with a buy box and daily discipline. And then, I, of course, in 90 days, you're going to call me up and go, Michael, an average deal in San Diego is 2%. It's terrible. See, I told you I don't want to invest here. I'm like, congratulations. You have just learned what an average deal is. Now, take what you've done and take it to Florida or Ohio or wherever you want to go. It's harder because you can't get in a car, you can't drive it, you can't see it, but at least you know you can do it. For me, it's like going to the driving range and playing golf. I didn't pick up a golf club until I was over 20. I just went to a driving range every day for a while and just kept hitting balls. And the first time I bounced the club over it and scolded and all these things. But by like day 10, day 12, I'm starting to hit it. And then it's going left and it's going right. And then by day 90, I get coaching and I get better. So I think most people should learn the skill of real estate investing in their backyard, regardless if they want to be there or not, or invest there. Because trust me, learning Ohio from San Diego is really hard, unless you're going to go there 10 times. And that's pretty expensive. So That's my recommendation is learn local and then invest where the numbers make sense.
0: Love that. So uh, one thing I want to go back to a little bit, um, you talked about, you see what everybody else is doing and you sort of go the opposite
1: way. Mm, Every time.
0: Um, What do you see everybody doing now that you're trying to avoid?
1: Uh, Today, everybody's going, um, they're doing syndications. They're getting into multifamily deals, which I think are going to blow up when interest rates go up. I own some of these things and I've sold a couple. Uh, I think the cap rates today are at historic lows. I believe people that are penciling deals today are doing them with unrealistic expectations. And I think when interest rates go up, uh, that will of course bring cap rates, cap rates go up, values go down. And I believe there are plenty of limited partners that are gonna be wiped out when all this happens. So I've spent the last year taking all of my debt and making them 30 year fixed because I do not want interest rate risk in 24 or 25. And that's why I'm only doing 30 year money deals. Even if I have to pay a little bit more, I will not, I will not get a five-year, seven-year arm or something like that. Um, so I think too many people are, I think Grant Cardone has made bigger is better. This, this generations, um, they're chasing it. So I'm going to go look at the stuff they're not looking at. So, yeah, I think there's plenty of LPs that are going to get smoked in three or four years.
0: Um so for for people starting out, mm-hmm. would you say self-manage mm. or hire a property management company?
1: I would actually split the difference. I tell them to run the numbers with property management. I chose a market that was two and a half hours away. My life did not make self-management an option. I've, I talked to and interviewed lots of people that invest 30 minutes from home and they prefer to self-manage. What I tell them to do is run the numbers like you're paying a property manager because you got to pay yourself something or you mm-hmm. should. So that's what I tell you is run them with property management and then do what you like. For me, it wasn't an option. I've had a property manager since I had one unit.
0: Um, I think Matt had another question. I, I, I jumped in a little early, Matt, you go ahead.
2: You're good. Uh, Michael, so if you're selling things off, mm-hmm. what are you doing with
1: those proceeds? So I've 1031 as much as I could, right? I moved them. So I've sold apartments and moved them in the houses. I bought an entire portfolio from one seller a year and a half or two years ago. And the other ones, I'm paying the taxes and sitting on the cash. Uh, I am not opposed to sitting on cash and waiting for deals to come. Um, I think it is, I think it is very, I think it's repeatable. The masses go one direction. It, the people that get it early make a lot of money. Grant Cardone made tons of money because he got in early. The people that get in late are going to get cooked when the market adjusts, and uh, I'll just wait for the pain. And right now, I'm sitting on cash, some cash. So how far away from the pain do you think we are? I think it's 23, 24. I mean, real pain, right? I have bought apartment buildings zeroed down directly from banks uh, in the last crash, right? What people don't realize in the last crash is houses blew up first. But then later, apartments blew up because there's more units. You you know you, you don't have total vacancies. You can limp longer. But I bought fifty or sixty units from banks and apartments last time. So uh, I I look forward to doing that again.
0: Very cool. Um, I like to ask people. So so you say you know you have you have retired and now you're you're still very active. So mm-hmm. what drives you? Now to do what you're doing.
1: Um, I thoroughly enjoy helping people. Um, when I, my last 10 years in my sales career, uh, I led teams and I loved helping people have record in it earnings. That was a big deal. We celebrated those things. Now, um, you know, if you guys follow me, right? I have this contest. You see over my shoulder. The biggest kick I get is when I get notes from people that they got their first deal. Right? I got a note yesterday that I recorded a video on about a teacher who uh, started following me in 19, 2019. And since then she's got six single family homes and uh, trust me, getting, getting a note like that means more to me than buying my last duplex. And I bought a duplex a month ago. Um, yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a thrill, right? But buying another duplex for me is it's, it's not even buying shoes anymore. It's like, okay, well we own another one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So what kind of stuff, I mean, you just had the, the book launch and I'm sure you're pushing that. Like, what other stuff are you working on? What do you like to put out there?
1: Well, I do, uh, I, it's funny, people don't realize that uh, one rental at a time YouTube channel averages five unique videos a day. Wow. So I do a daily financial show and yes, daily is daily, meaning Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I, have, I speak to eight multimillionaires every week. We do three videos each. So there's 24. Uh, I'm still active. I still talk about the deals I'm doing. I do a live Q and a every Saturday. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. That's very active. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, you know, looking through your journey, um, where you started, where you are now, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you made?
1: Uh, one of the things that I'm really getting to appreciate now is I, I should have started in my 20s, right? I had a good job, college education. I could have house hacked. Um, if I would have house hacked a Bay Area today, I, you know, in, in what would have been, um, you know, 1990s, uh, I would be in a much better position. That decade I lost hurts. Um, we should have house hacked, and you know, we should have bought a, a quad, and then a tri, and then a duplex, and then ultimately got into a house. My life would have been immensely different. I probably would have retired at 32 or 33 instead of 45. I think getting on the property ladder any way you can, whether it's house hacking or roommates is most, most college graduates should target. that as a goal. Mm-hmm. Go find a way, save 5% of whatever your market is and get a quad and then live for free. People don't realize your largest expense. Once you're an adult is housing. Mm-hmm. and If you could take that thousand or 2000 or 3000, and actually to get paid to live there, your life is easy. You get on this income snowball and you can just, you know, most college graduates, if you do this, you can be done by the time you're 30 high school graduates. If you don't go to college, you could be done by 25 because you can live on so much less. So I wish yeah. I would have done that.
0: Man. So for, for someone who's not familiar with the term house hacking, mm-hmm. Uh, Would you just break that down? And like, what are the steps to it? How would they actually make it happen?
1: Yeah, so we'll talk about a fourplex. That's probably the easiest way. Because when you say house, I don't want roommates. I never said you had to have roommates. A fourplex is essentially four different front doors. And what's going to happen is let's just say you buy one for half half a million bucks, 500 grand. In today's world, I talk to a mortgage guy every Wednesday, Matt, the mortgage guy. And you could get in for 5% down. So in order to get into a $500,000 fourplex, you need 25 grand. So step one, you got to save 25 grand. That's either a lot or a little, but again, adjust to where you are. But then what's going to happen is you're going to have three tenants. Those three tenants are likely going to pay you rent more than your mortgage payment. In most cases, and I've talked to lots of people about this, you are essentially going to be paid, paid 500 to $1,500 to live in that fourplex. That means A, you don't have a mortgage payment and B, you're paid to live there. So you have just you have just whacked your biggest expense. Now you can save and then you can buy another one and then another one and then another one. So that's essentially what a house hack is.
0: Love it. Thank you for explaining that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Michael, as a 25-year-old actively looking for a fourplex, I- I'm really loving this conversation. <laughs> yes. Good. Uh, What's a fourplex well-
1: cost in your area, Matt?
2: Uh, here where I'm currently at, uh, I've seen them as low as 125, and then I've seen them as high as 360. The old market I used to work in was probably 360 to 500, like you were saying. Just yeah, depending so again, on how nice
1: 300 grand, get a nice fourplex, live like a king, don't have a payment. It, it's it, it is. Uh, this is the I somebody I talk to every week, Dion from Dion Talk. This he's calling it the cheat code to wealth. And I totally agree. I think we have to remarket it. House hack has a once you say hack, people are like, eh, dude, yeah. it is the cheat code to wealth. I, I'm, I'm giving you the cheat code to wealth. Get paid, get rid of your stop the latte factor. Stop saving six bucks a freaking day at Starbucks. Ha, just cheat code to wealth, whack your housing payment, get paid to live there, and your life is easy. It's just that simple.
2: Yeah, I mean doing one flip and then that's going to fund that down payment. So. Bingo. Uh but Michael, what do you get most excited about right now?
1: Uh when I get a note from somebody they got they got their first rental property they closed. That's the biggest kick. That's awesome.
0: Very cool. Um we are going to open it up for any additional questions uh from students Um, if anyone has anything now is the time and Michael, if there's anything other, uh, anything else you'd you'd like to talk about, um, let's roll.
1: Let's see what questions come in. Yeah. All
0: right. Cool. Um, as we're, as we're getting, uh, to those, um, what can our listeners do to help support you?
1: Well, there's a couple of things I would love. So if you've, a lot of people already have the first book, one rental at a time. Uh, I would love you to go to Amazon and write a five-star review. That would be huge. If you already own it, that would be great. Uh, if Another fun thing is if you can take a selfie, like maybe in front of your property with the book like this, and then tag me on IG. Those are a lot of fun. And then mostly, like we said earlier, I just released the book on Saturday, so not even a week. Go order it. It's in paperback or hardcover, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, that would be awesome.
0: Very cool. So you know, you, you wrote the first book. You have the second one now. What inspired you to get that second book out?
1: Uh, I realized after having a YouTube channel, One Rental at a Time, that I was missing a lot of the market, right? My story of One Rental at a Time was full-time employee, one at a time. But there's so many, real estate investing offers so many avenues. I realized I was missing the market. So I wanted to put something together. My whole intention is, yes, these are 15 cool stories. My hope, my desire is you read this and go, I'm going to reread those two stories Mm. over and over and over again, because the biggest thing for me, my first five or six years is I didn't have something to hold on to. Right. Rich dad, poor dad kicked me in the butt, sent me on a new way. But I dude, I remember sitting in bed at night. We have like eight units, maybe 15 going, I don't know. Is this going to work? It's kind of stressful. We're kind of, you know, we've whacked our expenses, so we're living. We're not living, a, you know, a great life because everything's going into the next unit. I just wanted to believe it would work. So every story here starts different and ends in a great place. So I hope you find two stories that you can hold on to.
0: Very cool. Appreciate that, mm-hmm. um, Matt. You want to read off some of these questions?
2: Yeah. So I got this question earlier. Um, so how quickly should you start? like continuing to buy rental properties.
1: So you buy rental property, number one, mm-hmm. when should you look for two, three, four, et cetera? Well, I, I have first and foremost, never stop looking, right? One of the things, once you get one, you don't stop. If you stop, you lose that knowledge. So always look, I've looked every day for 20 years, even when I don't have money. When should you close on the second one? I would like you to close on the second one, six months later. Being a landlord is not for everyone. It sounds glamorous. it sounds fun, but boy, tenants suck sometimes. So keep looking but only buy at least six months later. Don't rush that second one.
0: Is that right? the pace you like to keep when you're going or is that? No just it, it'll
1: get it'll get quicker. I just I want a gap between one and two. Yeah, right. If you get the first one in like four months in, I hate being a landlord, they bother me. It's too risk, whatever. then you could sell it and you're not really suffering a lot. I've known people to buy three in a weekend and then they realize that they're not cut out to be landlords. <laughs> right. After your certainly after your third one, go as fast as you want. I want a little gap, maybe a smaller gap by the third one, but by then you either love it or hate it. So that's
2: great. And then so another question from one of our students was what qualifications would you need to own several rental properties? Like, is there a certain credit score,
1: certain income level? Uh, No. Um, If you're going to go to a traditional bank, if you need to go that direction, uh, you'll need certain credit scores and down payments and and likely debt to income ratios. However, that's not the only way to go. You can go private money, hard money, uh, seller financing. I've bought bought plenty of properties, lots of ways, and they don't look at any of that stuff. Uh, They're harder to find, right? The easiest thing to do is get a bank loan. And frankly, the easiest thing to do is get an owner occupied bank loan, i.e. house hack, a fourplex, or a triplex. But no, um, banks have criteria, but real estate investment, there's lots of ways to buy it without credit and income.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm curious about one thing personally. Mm -hmm. You say, you know, some people just aren't cut out to be landlords. They just hate it. Um, What kind of people do you think fit into that category where they're just not cut out to be a landlord?
1: Well, there's two that I've seen and that are on extremes. One is the landlord who wants to be friends with everyone, right? If you're friends with everyone, you're gonna believe every sad story and you're going to get taken advantage of. You will very quickly go broke. And then the other one is you wanna run it like um, prison, right? Where you run, you, everything is by the law or by the letter. Being a landlord is more art than science. And um, so if you're on either extremes, it's a people business, real estate investing and landlording is a people business. Mm -hmm. It's not about the structure and not about, it's about the people, the tenants, the contractors, the agents, the insurance, the, this, the, that, the other. So you got to have some people skills, but everybody can't be your friend and you got to, you got to have, you got to have a lease and you got to have rules, but you can't be, you know, it's not prison, right? So it's sort of in the middle of that.
0: Yeah. What kind of things do you do to try to you know, either keep your tenants longer Mm. or get, you know, better rents Mm. or get the most value out of your properties? What what kind of tips do you have there? That's
1: a great question. Uh, One of the things that most new landlords do is they focus on the bad tenants. The bad, getting rid of the bad tenants is a process and it's legal. So it's days and it's a process. Pay an attorney, get out of the way, let them do their job. What you as a landlord should do is figure out a process to reward good tenants. So something I did for a long time is, is around Thanksgiving, if you paid rent all the time, is I, I had a big package of you know, Thanksgiving delivered. It turns out that not everybody wanted that. So then I started doing Christmas stuff. And then I started going, at your anniversary, if you paid rent, I ask you, is there anything in the house that kind of bothers you? I've cleaned carpets. I've replaced a sink. Uh, I painted a bedroom. Right, All little things that I would have done anyway, but now I'm tying it to a good activity. Thank you for paying rent for 12 months in a row on time. I would like to ask you, is there something in this property that annoys you? Fix it.
0: And do you do that every year?
1: Every, if you pay rent on time, you will get something from me. Absolutely.
0: Awesome. I like that a lot. Yeah, because then it's something that you were already going to do. Yeah but now they feel better about it because they feel like they're getting a bonus. Mm-hmm. But so it just helps everybody.
1: I yeah, love that. And they stay longer and their landlord cares and they tell their, they tell their friends, my landlord painted my daughter's bedroom pink because it's mm-hmm. her favorite color. Yeah. Guess what I get next time. There's a vacancy at that apartment. Maybe one of their friends will come over.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. So if um, let's say someone brand new, they're saying, "I, you know, this sounds awesome. I wanted to get into rentals. I want to build wealth. Would you say start with single family or start with multi? Let's say they're past the house hacking stage. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's, you know, they already own a property or, or something. They're just, mm-hmm. they're not going to house yeah, hack. Sure. What would you recommend that they start with?
1: Well, again, I, I don't want to prescribe to know their market. My market today, residential is the best yield. Do the math, do the work. Uh, there were times, there were 12 or 13 years of my career where apartments were flat out the better deal. And Mm -hmm. then we bought them. It's just not the case today. Maybe your market's different. I talked to some people where houses make absolutely no sense and they can only buy duplexes through quads. What I would tell you to do is don't guess, spend the time, do the work, do the math and let the math tell you what to buy.
0: So when you say, do the math. What are those key numbers that you're looking for?
1: It's very simple. Uh, and to break it down here, it's, there's two numbers. There's a numerator and the denominator. The numerator is your expected monthly cash flow, right? So rent minus everything, reserves included, right? Mm-hmm. You get some number times it by 12, that's a year. Then the denominator or bottom number is going to be how much cash does it take for me to get this asset and have it perform? So down payment closing cost plus make ready. Right, if you got to turn it, that counts. If it's turnkey, then the answer is zero. But mm-hmm. include the turnkey, uh, and then that produces a percentage, right? And then just buy the highest yield. But you won't know that until you've done the work for sixty or ninety days.
0: That's great. Do you does that formula have a name?
1: I just call it yield calculation when I talk about it. Some people call it cash on cash. I call it yield.
2: I just wanted to say, I love that you didn't go rent minus expenses. Like everybody thinks rent minus expenses, great rental. Like, mm. Not always. <laughs>
0: not always. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so Michael, what would be the best way for people to reach you?
1: So I'm, I'm, I'm out there. One rental at a time is my thing. Uh, if you want to reach out to me directly, DM on Instagram is probably the best. Cause I do check that once a day. Uh, If you want to follow me and see what's going on, YouTube is the best. You get five videos a day. Um, And of course, if you want to know my story, the book. And if you want to get motivated, the new book.
0: Awesome. And so Instagram, one rental at a time would be your handle. Correct. Awesome. All right. Perfect. Um, If there was one thing that you wanted people to take away from this conversation, uh, what would that be?
1: I want them to understand that, A, I believe in you. Real estate investing is a great way to build wealth and freedom, Uh, but you got to do the work. There are no shortcuts. Uh, And lastly, everyone could do it.
0: Absolutely. Um, And being that this is Real Estate Heroes, I have to ask, if you were a superhero, which one would you be?
1: Which one would I be? Uh, I think I'd like to be Batman. I think he's got all the cool toys. Yeah. And also he's not really a superhero. He's just a rich guy with a lot of toys. (laughs) I like that one. There you go. Nice.
0: All right, Michael. Well, thank you for being here and sharing your stories and your lessons. Um, I know we're all better for it. So I'm super grateful for you. Um, everybody, thank you for listening. Um, if you got value out of this, please like subscribe, comment, and share with your friends. Um, I also want to make sure that you're able to grow from this. So just pick one thing from today and take action on it right now. As soon as you're done listening, just go do one thing to move in the right direction. Make the call, schedule the meeting, whatever it is, just do something. The only way you're going to grow is by taking action. So go out and take action. Signing off, this is Dan Bro along with my co-host, Matt Bruner with Real Estate Heroes.